Psalm 14, beginning in verse number one, the fool, this isn't me calling someone that, this is God calling someone that, right? God saying, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. What's wrong with them? Well, verse 1 goes on to say they're corrupt, right? Talking about the fallen nature of man, isn't it? They're corrupt. They're corrupt. They've done abominable works, unspeakable things. Things not, not, things that we couldn't say in polite company, right? They've done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? None that doeth good? No, not one. Not even one. Because look at what's said next in verse number two. I mean, this is interesting because it, it, it tracks with what Brother JT was saying this morning about some of the things that the Bible says the Lord says, and the Lord doesn't have to think. But for us to understand, you know, the Bible says, that the Lord thought. Well, here it says, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see. Yeah, that's, that's, that's indicating the Lord would have to know something that he didn't know, but it's just for our benefit, so we understand. But it says that the Lord looked to see if there were any that did understand. You know, does anybody understand me? The Lord's saying, does anybody know me? Does anybody want to understand does anybody want to know? To see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Is there anyone that wants to seek the Lord while he may be found? To draw nigh unto him, you know, while he's, he's near. But here's, here's the report that comes back from verse number two. They're all gone aside. There's not even one. Not even one seeking. Not even one wants to understand. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear. For God is in the generation of the righteous. Give you some context on that verse there. Think about Nebuchadnezzar. After he had tossed in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his, his fury, you know, was, was matching the, the, the seven times hotter furnace, you know, that had ever burned. Um, and uh, he throws them in, and they're walking around. Well, he goes from absolute uncontrollable rage to telling everybody you need to worship their God. Um, there's no God like their God. You know, who, who could save them from, from this fire? There's, there's not even the smell of smoke. I don't know that, I really don't know there's ever been a fire that I've started that I haven't had the smell of smoke on me. You know, um, their, their garments weren't even, not, not just they weren't burnt, they weren't even singed. They, you get the idea Nebuchadnezzar had people inspecting these guys. What, what kind of clothes were you wearing, you know, that they didn't burn? You know, they didn't have fireproof, you know, suits back then. Verse number six the Lord says unto these fools, right? You have shamed the counsel of the poor. Now, we don't know, Nebuchadnezzar, whether or not God's going to save us from the burning, fiery furnace. But we do know this. We can't bow down and worship your gods. We worship the true and living God. You shame the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. I mean, can't you see it? The fool says in his heart there's no God, so what are they going to do to those who believe that there is one? You shame the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. 
Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. You know, that, that harkens back to me in that hymn that we sang this morning from last week. How long, O oh Lord? I know in David's circumstance, we were looking at it in a, in a little different light. But if, if we think about the Lord's coming, how long, O oh Lord? How long? How long? Wouldn't that be nice? I wouldn't have to go to work tomorrow. No. <laughs> that's not what, That's not the... How, how, how wonderful that would be because we could be with the Lord forever. How wonderful that would be because we'd be able to worship Him with perfect heart and mind. How wonderful that would be because we would be with the Lord forever. We'd be in a place where righteousness dwells. The thing that our heart longs for, which is what David's saying, how long? How long, O Lord? When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of His people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Think you're going to rejoice that day? Think you're going to be glad that day? Oh, I didn't get to open my Christmas presents. The Lord shouldn't have come before then. You know, no. Won't be any of that, will there? Won't be worried about any of that. Oh, that vacation, I, did, I, did, I lost all them vacation days, Donnie. Yeah. What difference is that going to make then? You gained a bunch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, forever. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Yes. That you would be with them and those mm. listening online, that you would, you would help them focus their minds to the audio listeners. Thank you for the time. We thank you for the pastor who preached the truth. And even if it may be difficult to hear, you purposed it for us. And we need to, we need to focus on what you're saying. Amen. You may be seated. So the general thought is that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's, that's our main thought here this morning. I was thinking about that and thinking about how that... Um, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but, <clears throat> and this was before my time, <clears throat> I believe, but, or before I really realized, you know, what was going on as far as space travel was concerned as a, a young child, but, you know, man has blasted himself as far as he can out into outer space, and there were some that came back, and they said, we went up there, and there was no God. We didn't see God anywhere. And since we didn't see God anywhere, must not be, you know. I'm, I'm elaborating, you know, embellishing somewhat, but that was thought. That was the thought that was given. Um, they say we went up there, didn't find him there, so he must not be anywhere. You know, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, not everybody gets to be blasted into space. Thankfully, I don't want to be, you know. But is there not, according to Romans chapter 1, enough even here? 
um, for man to know that there is a God. Whether they claim that there is or not, God said there is. He says, I've showed it unto them. There is. There is a God. Um, I didn't, I went back over looking at, at Romans 1 because of where we are and um, came across an illustration that I had used at that time. I can't remember the man's name, but there was a, uh, a man who, who started taking pictures, Colin, of snowflakes. And he noticed that they were all different. Such a tiny thing. You know, God's in the details. So whether it's the small and the minute or the vast expanse, you know, of space, God's there. I mean, God didn't have to do that. I mean, you, you look at some of those snowflakes and they are intricate in their design. Now, the scientists can tell you all about, you know, the molecules and coming through and backing up on air currents and that that affects the snowflake, you know, and causes it to be the shape, you know, that it is. Yeah, we, we were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're unique. Yes, they are. <clears throat> There's, I think, I don't, how do you calculate this? I, I, I don't know. But they, they say in a year, there's a trillion, trillion snowflakes. I can't even imagine a trillion, trillion. You know, it's hard to imagine a trillion, but a trillion, trillion, you know. So um, that, that's, that's a lot of snowflakes. And for them to be, you know, individually, I mean, there's some that are similar, but they're different. Think about you and I. Fingerprints. The, the iris and the, you know, the eye itself, you know, it's the, the unique. Dental records. dental records. Donnie's thinking about the dentist. He's got dental work to be done. And they do identify people that way, don't they, uh, by their dental records. Um, but unique, very unique. Um, and yet man can... Seek to say, there is no God. Um, how foolish. Have they not known? Have they not heard? Mm-hmm. Has it not been declared from the beginning? Yeah. Uh, have they not known? But it is, it is ignorant on the part of man to deny that he has a creator. And I don't care who the atheist is. He knows. And there's been some famous ones that have made it all the way to the end of their lives. And all of a sudden they start grasping. You know, they start grasping there's a God. I need to know, yes. Or they may say, I hope, I was, I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I'm not about to meet this God. That these... You know, here, the, verse number six, you shame the counsel of the poor. Why do they even care? You know, these atheists get all bent out of shape. If it's not something that exists, why do they even bother? You know, why does it matter? It doesn't exist. You know, it, 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 they, they must know. They must know. They know something, don't they? There's a sneaking suspicion. You know? No, yeah. They don't believe in him, but he knows them. You know, he knows everything they think and they do and they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They seek to deny his existence as if he's not anywhere. And if that's the case, then there's not a God to be reckoned with. They can do as they please. They don't have to worry about what they do, they say, they think. They like it that way, yeah. They, can, they believe at that point they can do whatever they please without fear because we know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? They can do it without. There's no fear of God before their eyes, right? There is no God. How can I be afraid of something that there's not? That they're convinced or they try to convince themselves that there's not. But yet God's given himself a witness even within themselves. You know, Tozer 
Back when I was going through Romans 1, I, I read a quote. He talked about the fingerprints of God being upon the soul of a man. He's there. And I know I've quoted that before in other studies, but, but um, it, 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 it conveys the thought. God's fingerprints are upon the soul that he made, on the life and the breath that he gave. And there's, 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 there's that conscience, right? That nagging conscience, you know, is there also. You know, even the heathen know. Uh, I was listening to a message this week, and, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but, but um, I think it might have been Mark Webb. But they had gone, I think it was Dave's, I can't remember Dave's last name, Sitton, I think. He's a missionary in different places, but he had gone to this cannibalistic tribe and began to preach the gospel to them. And they said, we knew when we were killing those other tribes and they were eating men's flesh, we knew it was wrong. Now we know why, you know, because he's preaching the gospel, you know, unto them. Um, but they know what they are doing is wrong. I mean, Roman one, you know, Romans one declares it. But but speaking about declaring things, I mean, Psalm nineteen, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? I mean, just trumpeting it forth every day. I mean, the sun comes up, you know, the all the things that bloom. You know, the different seasons that happen, you know, the snowflakes or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, the heavens declare. The, 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 when we talked about this before, we talked about the facts that in one place David talks about the heavens as his example. Not that he couldn't have used other ones, but he talks about that one because when all the lights go out in all the cities and towns, you can see the heavens. We know what it's like to live in the city and not be able to see it and come to the country, you know, and you can see it. You, know, you can see the stars in the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. So in the daytime, I mean, there's that sun, which is the one thing, you know, is running its course, that one star, and then night into night, I mean, all the stars that appear. And it hadn't been too long ago we talked about that. God knows them all by what? Name. We haven't even seen them all yet. We keep making a better telescope that sees further and further. We haven't seen them all. I forget how many galaxies that just within, you know, I guess the ladle part of the, of the I can't remember if it was the Big Dipper or the Little Dipper, how many galaxies were just in that little area, you know, out in the expanse of space. It was like millions uh, that they've discovered. So uh, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech. Doesn't matter the people group. The place, there is no speech, nor language. I don't speak those languages, but this that God has done to show forth his handiwork, to show forth his might, his power, his holiness, his wrath even. Um, it says that there's, there's not a speech anywhere, a language anywhere where this voice isn't heard, where God's voice isn't heard, where God does not speak, where God does not declare and yet the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Beyond that, I mean, there's the witness of the church, right? The witness of God's word, you know, beyond creation, beyond the conscience. And yet the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But you know what? Man's not going to be able to make sense of his existence apart from God. You remember those commercials? I, don't, I haven't seen any in a long time. And I know I've mentioned this before too, but those commercials when I was a kid where somebody climbs up this very difficult climb and they finally get to a, a flat spot where there's a cave and there's some, you know, shaman or something inside there and they're like, what is the meaning of life? You remember those? You remember those commercials? You don't remember those commercials? Well, man's trying to make sense of exi- his existence. He's not going to. Apart from God, he's not going to make sense of his existence. Psalm 10, 4 says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance. It says, he will not seek after God. You remember we read there, the Lord's looking. Is there any that would seek you know, after me? They will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. Be thankful. Be thankful. Glorify God if he is in your thoughts. 
I mean, he's in my thoughts all throughout the day. And I ask him to be there even more um, than he is. I mean, the Lord's continually there. Be thankful if the Lord is in your thoughts. Because you get into Romans 1, and they don't want God in their thoughts. And God gives them over. He said, okay, I'll remove myself you know, from your thoughts and turn you over to yourself and turn you over to a reprobate mind. Be thankful if God's in your thoughts. They don't want God in their thoughts. We want God in our thoughts. We want to know him and love him more and more, more and more. But they don't want him in their thoughts and they will not seek after him. You know, that passage in Proverbs 1-7 that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The second half of that says this, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They, they don't want to hear from the church. They don't want to hear from God's word. They don't want to hear that there's a God. He's a fool who seeks to gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Right? He's a fool who will not seek after God. He's a fool who does not want God in all of his thoughts. Romans 1.28 says they do not like to retain God in their knowledge. They do not like to retain God in their knowledge. Is God in your thoughts? Is God in your knowledge? Reprobate mind, absolutely. Does God have a place in your thoughts? Because that's the opposite of a reprobate mind. Does God have a place in your thoughts? Yeah. What and and you know what? It's it's you think about that. And you think about them not liking to retain God in their, in their knowledge. I mean, I'll just use the example of someone getting dementia, you know, to, to try to find some. They're not even going to know that God's not there anymore. They don't want him there. And eventually he's not there and they don't even realize it. They don't even realize that there's not a voice speaking to them anymore. As we said, who's calling who a fool here? God is. God's calling the man who says there is no God a fool. God's calling the man who's rejecting God's wisdom. God's calling the man a fool who's rejecting his authority. The thing formed, saying to him who formed it, you don't exist. If you do, you're not going to be God over me. Right? Better still, Isaiah 29, verse 16. Surely, your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. Shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Isn't that what they're saying? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. God didn't make me. You know, I, I climbed out of some primordial, you know, ooze and began to slither and began to creep and began to grow arms and crawl and eventually, you know, stood straight up and erect, you know, as a man. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it? Well, God didn't have any understanding. He didn't know what he's doing. There, there's, there's not that, that type of understanding in the universe. I mean, how could there be? I mean, if God really existed, why would this happen? Why would they begin to question everything? If there is a God, then that wouldn't happen. He doesn't care. If there is a God, he's not paying attention. Um, God's calling those who reject his word fools. What kind of people make that kind of claim? Very intellectual High IQ, not only them, but of when you start thinking about people, I mean, it's, it's any sort of person, but you think about these people who have seen, I mean, there are people who are privileged to see things that we don't see. 
They, they, they know things that we don't know. I was talking to Teresa about that this week. I said, I'm glad because of my personality that I don't know everything. The way my personality works, I would have a lot more to be concerned about continually. You know? I was, I was getting a, a text message from a customer, you know, Friday night. And worried about that thing, worried about that thing, worried about that thing until I got a hold of somebody that could do something about it, you know. And she's like, it's okay, it's the weekend, just let it go. I can't let it go. That's not my personality will not allow me to let it go. I can't let it go. And if I knew more things, I would have a lot of trouble uh, because I would know a lot more and there'd be a lot more things to be concerned about. Um, so these, it's not the unintelligent only. It's not someone that just doesn't have you know, the brain capacity and we're talking about intelligent people who, who look through microscopes and look through telescopes and they see things that we don't see. I mean, on the flip side, those astronauts who went up and said, we went up there and there's not a God. On the other hand, I've heard some of them up in space and they've just been in awe. They've just been in wonder. I mean, up there looking down upon us in this blue ball and surely saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I mean, if, if we have this perspective, Lord, and, and we can look through this little window and see the earth out there and look so small, I mean, and, 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 the, heavens, and the heavens of heavens can't contain you, you know, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You know, but back to the fool. Romans one twenty one says, "Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful." I mean, you think about the astronaut that I'm trying to portray. I don't have names, but I've heard some of them. I can't remember their names, but I've heard some of them speak from that perspective of being there and seeing those things and just glorifying God. I mean, here. They glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful. That's wicked not to glorify God. It's wicked not to be thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. You know, the light of the body is the eye. You know, it starts talking about darkness. That, how great is that darkness? You know, that, that's this, this here, the fool who said in his heart, there is no God. Professing themselves. I mean, here's, God says, they're fools. But here in Romans, it says, they profess themselves to be wise. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. There is no God. You're a fool. That's what God says. And you know what? You and I would still be among them if it were not for the grace of God. We would be right there beside them, saying the same things they're saying if it were not for the grace of God. Because Ephesians 2.12 talks about the fact that we were without Christ. There was a time we were without Christ. We were aliens, not from outer space, <laughs> but strangers, right? From the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise. This is the part that I always think about, having no hope. I mean, these people that are saying there is no God, Danny, they have no hope. No, they have no hope. And they're without God in the world. How would you like to be there this morning? You've got troubles, right? You've got problems. You have trials and tribulations that you go through. Yeah. We can call on the Lord. How'd you like to be in those places and not? No, not even think, not even believe to, that you could call upon them. Who is the Lord? Without God in the world. So, brethren, give thanks. Right? I mean, if we go back up there to that passage I read out of Romans 1, glorify Him as God. Be thankful that you know Him. That you know Him. Give thanks that you know God. 
Give thanks that you do not say no to God. Because for them, no God. That you do not say no to God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Be thankful that you know him and do not say no unto him. Right? Once weighing the evidence, there are some who would say, okay, there must be some sort of intelligent design. That's not enough. That's not enough. They will speak that with their tongues, but their hearts are far from professing there's a God, far from confessing their sins and their need of Christ. While, granted, there are others who deny God's existence completely. Their end will be like that of the rich man who tore down his barns and built bigger ones. Because that's what they're all about in this life. Building up, building up, more, more, more. Luke twelve fifteen says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Right? Anna, Lydia, Cohen. I'll even get up here a little little older, you know, Rebecca and Andrew, Danny. Right? I mean, all you young people, the world is trying to tell you continually. Emmanuel, Shalom, trying to tell you continually. Stuff is important. The things of this life are important. How many people in school? Oh, let me just, I'll ask it this way, Danny. What's the vehicle that the guys that you hang around, what do they want? If they could have anything, what would it be? What do they talk about? Is it trucks or cars? Trucks, okay. You know, when I was a kid, it would have been a sports car, you know. But, you know, give me, give me some, you know, big, maybe a four-wheel drive, you know, truck with, all these lights in the rims and underneath and big stereo system and cost as much as a house cost, you know. I mean, it's incredible the thing, how much these things cost. you got to have that or you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy unless you possess these things. That is not what God's Word says. God's Word says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Could you lose it all and be happy? Could you? Right. Could you lose it all and be content? Don't, don't seek the things of this world. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Lord says, I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of the rest. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to clothe you. Is, is the Lord's hand, you know, his arm too short? Is the ear too dull? I mean, think about, think about the children of Israel out there in the wilderness. They didn't have any food. I mean, how are you going to feed that many people? How are, you going to, how are you going to take out in the middle of nowhere where there's nothing growing and feed all those people and get water? Yeah. And what about your shoes? I mean, there's, there's not materials to be able to make a new pair of shoes. You know, what about your clothes? They didn't have to worry about that. What were they to be concerned with? They were to be concerned with loving the Lord their God with all their hearts, with all their soul, with all their, 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 their mind and their strength. God caused their shoes not to wear out and their clothes not to wear out. And he brought water, you know, and, and, and honey even from the rock. And, and he caused manna to fall from heaven. Then they started complaining about that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. If he if he cares for the mockingbirds and the sparrows, he he didn't give his only begotten son for them, but he gave his only begotten son for you and for me. How much more? How much more? But he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. How'd that happen? Ye have thanks unto the Lord? Did he glorify God? Fool said in his heart, there is no God. This man was a fool. He was a rich fool, but he was a fool. It brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself. Not, thank you, Lord. He thought within himself, to God be the glory. No, he thought within himself, what shall I do? I got all this stuff. I'm, how am I going to, I know what I'll do. I'll, where, where am I going to, I don't have any room, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull down the barns that I have and I'm going to build some bigger ones. Then I'll have room for all my stuff. Right? People build these massive garages for all their stuff. Right? Who's it going to be when they die? Is God impressed? I have a 1968 Camaro. It's all original. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Live your life and live it to the fullest. But God said unto him, What? Thou fool. There it is. Right? I didn't call him one. God did. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast hoarded, treasured, here provided? And then verse 21 says this unto us. So is he. What was the other guy? He was a fool. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Where your treasure is, what? There will your heart be also. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure this morning? Where's my treasure this morning? Right? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or let's ask the question, as Scripture does, in the other way What shall a man give? Right? Can you finish it? In exchange for his soul. Because that's what's happening. What are you going to give in exchange for your soul? You know, there's that old song. Who was it? Uh, I can't think anymore. Cohen, you don't know it. <laughs> Your dad does. He's going to be singing it now. And it's going to be going through his head. But, you know, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. You know, you heard that before? What did the man exchange? For a soul, a golden fiddle? You know? What is that? How is that going to help you in eternity? What is that going to do for you? I, I can't imagine anybody in that place, in the agony that they're in, even wanting to play a fiddle. Right? What would that do for anybody? What would you give in exchange for your soul? Jim Elliott... And, and we wouldn't have known this. It's doubtful we would have ever heard this, this sentence had he not gone down and was killed by those Indians. Right? Him and Nate Saint and all the others. But somebody got a hold of his journal afterwards and reading along and it says, he is no fool. There's the word fool again, right? 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Right? Kind of puts a little bit of perspective on it. But where is your treasure? Because your life will be defined by that answer. Where is your treasure? What does God What does God desire for that treasure to be himself? What greater treasure is there than God? What greater treasure is there than our salvation in Christ? There's nothing greater. I told you the story about when Rebecca came to me and and, and she said, Dad, I think the Lord saved me. I said, you're not going to be able to tell me anything else ever again that is going to be greater than that. Nothing whatsoever. There'll be some great news. There'll be some wonderful news for which I will give thanks to the Lord for, but nothing more than that. Spurgeon said, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. He wasn't fool enough to say it with his mouth. He says in his heart, there's no God. It didn't come out of his mouth. But today, Spurgeon says that in his day too, and today in our day as well, they haven't gone away. But he says, today they declare it with their tongues. He says, they don't call them fools now. They call them philosophers. Or as some might say, fool officers, you know. He says, it's often the same thing. Why? They say there's no God. Why? They're corrupt. Why? They don't seek after God. God calls them a fool. The psalmist puts his finger on it. They are corrupt. They will have no God. They will have none of his goodness. One particularly keen-minded young man, after listening to a debate in which a professed atheist attacked belief in God, said this afterwards. You know, she denies that there is a God but it is evident from her tone and her words that she hates him. How could you hate something that doesn't exist? Right? So what are they? They're God-haters. God-haters. They claim there is no God, but they hate him. They hate him. They know he is. And here David represents God as looking down from heaven. Is there any? Is there any? There's none. There's none. I think about it in Noah's day. He looks down. What does he see? The thoughts and the imaginations of their hearts are on evil continually. Continually. He looks down in Abraham's day at Sodom and Gomorrah. Here we see him looking down. Here's here's the thing that we need to think about. Yeah, we're, we're not always conscious of it, but God's always looking. God's always searching. God's always examining. He sees and he knows everything. Everything. He's inspecting. Think about the fig tree, right? The Lord comes walking by. He sees that fig tree and he expects to find figs on it. There's nothing there. We might as well put the fool who says in his heart there is no God in the place of that fig tree. He curses it. The next time they come by it, the disciples are in awe that it's withered up. You know. He is continually inspecting. He's a true judge. He will make an accurate evaluation of man's life. And every man will give an account, thought, word, and deed. You know, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. He didn't say it out loud. We didn't hear him. God knew it. God knew he said it. God knew he said it. We see outside, God sees inside and outside. They're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Men are all depraved. They're all depraved and they're all depraved. Completely depraved, in other words. People don't like that doctrine, do they? That 
man, there's no goodness. Oh, I saw somebody do something good. You know, that person did a good thing. I, mean, I, I came out of the grocery store the other day, and there was a man standing there. And he wasn't, you know, going to dry up and blow away. He, he, was, he was a little hefty, and he's asking people for help. But, you know, I don't know what his circumstances are. I've never seen the man before. I knew I had something I could help him with in the truck. And so came back. He wasn't there. Got down to the end where I had to make a turn, and there he was, but I couldn't get to him. So I circled around another store, came up the back side of it, and there he was. I handed him that, spoke to him in a little while, I gave him a track. I don't know. He started talking about Star Wars and the Bible, and I'm, he's, his mind is just, you know, out there somewhere. I, but the Lord can speak to him, you know. Um, well, somebody does something like that. I mean, you 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 hunted that person down. Well, that was good. Why? That was good. That's a good thing you did. Why'd you do it? That's what. Did did you do it to that that because I could I could do it too. Did you do it because it made you feel good? Or did you do it because you wanted to glorify the Lord? Did you do it because you wanted to please Him? What, what was in your heart when you did it? Well, how can a person that believes that there's no God do anything good in God's sight? He's not thankful to God. He doesn't glorify God. How can that be called good? They have a bad definition of good. You know? None good, no not one. Here it is in Psalms. We can go over to Romans and we find Paul saying it again and we can say it in our day. There is none good. No, not one. Man apart from the grace of God are not good. Are not good. Why are you calling me good? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, his, his perception of good was incorrect. If there, again, is no God, they are free to do as they please. There's not anybody that's going to have anything to say about what they've done or say something they don't want to hear. Verse 4 says, have, they, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Are they all so foolish? You know, you can wash the pig, Cohen. You can wash the pig. What's the pig going to do? It's going... But, there's nothing wrong with the mud. There's something wrong with the pig, you know. I mean, not essentially in its nature as far as a pig is concerned, but you put it in terms of a man. You know, you can wash him, but he's going to go right back to wallowing in the mire. There's nothing wrong with the mud. There's something wrong with the man. There is none good. No, not one. It says, they eat up my people as they eat bread, and they call not upon the Lord. You get to thinking about Elijah, Lord, they've killed thy prophets, they've digged down thine altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. They think nothing of God's people. We go back to where you were, you know, there in the beginning of Psalms. They want to cast our cords off from them. You, know, you, you keep all that stuff within the four walls of this building. Not, don't bring it out into the, 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 the society. You know, that we, we don't need to hear it. We don't want to hear it. For them, there is no God. They despise not only God. If they're going to despise God, who else are they going to despise going? God's people, right? The Lord said, they hated me. They're going to hate you also. If the world hates you, John fifteen eighteen, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, or else we would be in the camp of there is no God. Therefore the world hateth you. You know, it's, it's God in you, Donnie, that bothers him. <laughs> it's God in you that bothers him. It was God in 
Abel that bothered Cain, wasn't it? That bothered Cain. It bothered him so much that he killed his brother. To the one, 2 Corinthians 2.16 says, we are the savor of death. To the other, we are the savor of life, unto life. I heard a story thinking about those I already mentioned to you earlier when we were reading through in verse number five about those that have been famous atheists that in their lives they've questioned their position, right? Well, I heard a story of a man this week that was on a ship. This was time past where when you had a duel, it might have been with swords, okay? Which that comes into the story. But he was on a ship. From all appearances, the ship was about to sink, He was an atheist. He sought out a minister on the ship. I need to know how to be right with God before this ship goes down. Nonetheless, he was seeking, right? With all of his heart, who can say? Cheap fire insurance? Probably. Definitely, as you hear the rest of the story. Well, storm calmed. Safe harbor could be seen. He told everybody that, that it hurt him. I, 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 I don't know what I was thinking. You know, there is not a God. You know, just forget that I even ever said anything to you. He gets off the ship, and somebody that was on the ship you know, said, I heard about you. I heard you were an atheist. And, and, and you professed faith in God. No, I didn't. And it got heated enough that a duel ensued. And the man who was the atheist, he gets run through with a sword. And he thinks, I'm dying. So he calls upon the Lord again. The doctor shows up and says, it's not a mortal wound. You're going to live. He refuses to believe in God once again, right? So the boldest of blasphemers when things are well will continue in their blasphemy. But when things are going ill, you know, they want to feign and, and, and claim that they believe uh, when really they said in their heart, there is no God. There is no God. Things look grim. Then they are in great fear. And they will be, won't they? You think about when the Lord returns. Those who've said in their heart, there is no God. When the Lord returns, they're going to want the mountains to fall upon them, to hide them from the face of the Lamb. God's not with them. What do we say? Be thankful that God's in your thoughts. God's not in their thoughts. Be thankful that God's in your thoughts. Beyond just making some type of a deathbed, you know, profession of faith. Not that God can't save those. He can. But it says in verse number five that God is in the generation of the righteous. He is with his people. He's always with us. He's always there. We've seen some of the Psalms where we don't perceive sometimes. We feel like the Lord's not there, but he's always there. He's always there. Verse number six, you shame the counsel of the poor. Six, seven, what? Don't know. You shame the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. You think about some of those people that say there is no God. Well, you just need an emotional crutch. You know, I don't believe what you believe. Don't, don't, don't speak to me about those things. They shame the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. They mock the idea of a man trusting in God for his daily bread. You pray every day that this God would give you bread? You know, that's their sort of mentality. You, you pray every day to be kept from some evil, you know. You're, you're a fool, you know, they would say. And we pity them because they are the ones that are the fool, right? 
You trust in God for eternal salvation? Mock much as they want. You can, they can mock as much as they want, but there's coming a day that there's going to be a reckoning. And they will wish with all of their hearts that they could be in your shoes. Think about those people outside the ark. How long did Noah preach to those people? Yeah. And yet they would not, they would not heed what Noah had to say. The Lord was preaching to those people through Noah. Yeah. And they said, Noah, you're crazy. You're building this boat. This is nuts. It's not going to... We, we have never seen anything. What are you going to use that for? That's a weird-looking house. You know. Yeah. What's a boat? <laughs> well, let me tell you, God said judgment's coming. You're off your rocker, Noah. You've been out in the sun too long. You know. You just, you just, you, 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 you do not understand. Uh, you, you've lost your understanding. You're a fool, Noah. Did they think so as they were out there outside of the ark? And the rain started to fall, and the door was closed. And at first, it might not have been much of a concern, but then the water began to rise. And, it, and it, they began to step in, and it started sloshing around. And then it got ankle deep, and then knee deep. And then waist deep, and then chest deep, and then it became waters to swim in, and a current to swim against. I mean, the kind of stuff that cut the Grand Canyon out, right? Who was the fool then? Verse 7, oh, that salvation, the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. We, we, we don't have to wonder if God made man. We don't have to wonder if there's none righteous, no, not one. We, we, we don't have to wonder about these things. Romans 1.19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. They have a witness. Yeah, they need the gospel yeah. in them, inside. Come straight from the factory that way. It's not optional equipment. It's there. We serve a merciful and a gracious God who makes himself known. How would we ever find him if he hadn't made himself known? You know? But he's plenteous in mercy and shows mercy unto thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. Man doesn't want to find God. He loves darkness rather than light. The Lord found me. <laughs> That's how it's happened for all of us. You know, men will say, well, I'm not all that bad. You know, so-and-so is worse than I am. You're using the wrong standard. One message I listened to this week, the man's title was this, The Great miscalculation you want to think about calculations you're going to calculate there is no God that's a big miscalculation that's, that's the worst I mean I used to get red X's on my math papers you know go wrong, wrong answer you know your calculation wasn't correct uh, this, is, this is enormous Romans 2.3 says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up thy, unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor immortality and immortality eternal life. That's what goes to those. But unto them that are contentious, the fool that said in his heart there is no God. And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, 
and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Jew first. Jew first. I told you about the rabbi who said that, said that there's, there is a rabbi at the gate of hell, that any Jew that comes that way, he turns him back to heaven. You, 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 you can't come in here. Hell's not for you. you know, you're a Jew. You're Abraham's seed. You, no, it says here the Jew first. Tribulation, wrath, anguish, judgment, eternal hell. The Jew first, also the Greek or the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. So, think about that little knowledge that he has. And he refuses it, doesn't want to retain it, wants to get rid of it, doesn't. And, 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 and the, 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 psych, the, the psychiatrist will help you. You know, we can get rid of your guilt. You're guilty, you know, you've got a guilt problem, you've got a guilt complex. Let me help you with that. It's not really your fault. It's this or it's that. So you're not responsible for that. It's, it's, it's somebody else's fault. It's not yours. No, it's your fault. It's your sin. You know, it's judgment that's coming upon you unless Christ died upon the cross for your sins. You were talking about that personal, you know, Savior. Did Christ die on the cross well, I, I believe Christ died. Did he die on the cross for your sins? That's the thing. Did he die for your sins? Did he die for my sins? But think about that little bit they've been given. You can think about places like Mark 4.25. That unto he that hath, to him more shall be given. But he that hath not, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Even that that he hath, be taken away. And like I said before, he doesn't even realize it. It's gone. You know, he's, he's wandering around the earth. You know, he's, he's, he's doing what he pleases, and he's not thinking anything about the judgment of God to come. Those that don't want to retain God in their knowledge, beware. He may remove what you have, what you've been given. Remember the Two men in Matthew 7, house on the rock, house on the sand. And the Lord says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to the man that built his house upon the rock. But the one who does not do them, the fool that says in their heart there is no God, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And boy, that last part. That's enormous, isn't it? And great was its fall. Great was the fall of it. You know, like I said, in the end, the child of God who was regarded as a fool by the world will be found to be the only wise one. Well, I've got more that we could say, but certainly that gives us a gist of what's being said by the psalmist. How thankful we ought to be if we're thankful. How thankful we ought to be if we can glorify God. How thankful we ought to be for the knowledge of God that we have. For the knowledge of God in, in, in Christ and our, our salvation, you know, and the knowledge of sin. Um, you know, how thankful we ought to be for these things that God has shown unto us. Um, you know, men can boast in a lot of things, but let's boast in this, that we understand and know him. We, we, we've got something greater to boast in than, than, than the man that has millions. The man that has abundance of possessions. We've got something greater to boast in. We know the Lord. And it's not that we're proud and arrogant about it. You know, we say, Lord, who am I that you should ever have shown such mercy and grace to me? That, that I should, should know this this great salvation, that I should know such mercy, that I should know such grace. Um, he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. How am I going to boast in the Lord? I was a wretch, but God saved me. I, I wasn't worthy to be saved, 
Uh, I'm not any different than anybody, any other man. But God showed grace and mercy unto me. You know, we boast in him. For by grace you've been saved, and that not of yourselves. It is gift of God. You know, by grace, through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You know, how thankful. You know, are you thankful? You know, can, can you give God the glory for your salvation? Can you give God the glory for his mercy and grace? This, this man here could not. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. 